if you would, to Job chapter 4. Job chapter 4. While you're turning there, um, uh, I think it'd be a kind of a good idea uh, to pray for Cass. uh, Cassie, those of you that know Cassie, it's Chris's sister. She was up at the same family function that Chris came back from last night, but she decided to come home today and the last word that she we had is that she was leaving Winnemucca, heading heading this way, and she had to actually turn around and uh, go back and and have chains put on on her van, uh, and and she's attempting to drive home tonight. And the weather between here and there is 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 not good, um, so I just thought it'd probably be a good idea. Yeah, it's just her and the kids, so I just I thought it'd be a good idea if we just had a word of prayer for for their safety. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we uh, truly are thankful uh, for this time together uh, in your word. We're thankful for the word. Uh, We ask that you would speak to our hearts. Uh, But Lord, also we ask that you'd be with Cass and the kids as they're coming home. Uh, Keep them safe. Uh, Give her uh, uh, wisdom and the, the alertness that she's going to need to be able to stay uh, awake and and uh, uh, through the, the the difficult weather, uh, we just ask that you just bless her that way, uh, keep them safe, and Lord, to speak to our hearts through your word, and we'll give you the thanks for it all. For it's in Christ's name we pray, Amen. As we have been looking at the book of Job, we have <clears throat> seen that Satan has done everything he could to destroy. Um, uh, Job's morale, if you would. Uh, he has stripped away everything that Job had. Um, he brought the uh, Sabians uh, into his life and they took away his oxen and his asses and killed all but one of his servants. The, there was a, a great fire that destroyed the sheep and, and all of the servants but one. Uh, he brought the Chaldeans in, and they took away all the camels and, and killed all of his servants but one. And then a great wind came and destroyed the house that his children were in and killed all the servants except for one. And then those servants came and one by one brought the bad news of the events that had taken place. But as we get into chapter 4 of Job and we are going to see that Satan is going to try and accomplish through the words of his friends what he could not do through the destruction of the the worldly things in his life. And that is to bring Job to his knees. Alexander Wright wrote this. He said, But what Satan could not do with the, uh, the Sabians and the Chaldeans and, and the wind from the wilderness to help him that he soon did with the debating approach and the controversial assault of Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad. Oh, the destructive curse of controversy. And as I, as I was thinking about this, I, I thought, you know, <clears throat> what hurts us more than anything? probably the words of somebody else. I mean, you can, you can take away just about everything we have, but if, 
your friends turn on you, the wound is deep, is it not? And that is the next trick or the next thing in in Satan's uh, playbook, if you would. For seven days, Job's friends come and they sit with Job and they they sit in silence. In Job chapter 2, I told you four, but let's go back to verse uh, chapter 2. In Job chapter 2 and verse 13, it says, "So, So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was great. And later we find out in in Job chapter 13 that Job basically tells them that he wishes that they had kept their mouths shut even after seven days. Have you ever wanted to tell someone that? Shut up. Job chapter 13, verse 5, it says, And oh, that you would altogether hold your peace. (laughs) That's a nice way of telling somebody to shut up. And it should be your wisdom. Now, let let me ask you a question. This this is a little bit of a review here. Why did Job's three friends come to begin with? Well, no, they, they came for two specific reasons. I'm sure curiosity was probably part of it, but the Bible tells us they came for two reasons. Really? They came to to mourn with him and to comfort him. <clears throat> they came to mourn and to comfort. But these three men make a critical error in judgment. First, they assume the worst. Now, knowing human nature the way we do, what do you think most people default to? Positive or the negative? Most people default to the negative. So these three friends are only doing what is natural. And to be quite honest, if you were in their situation, very possibly you would have done the same thing. In verse 11 of chapter 2, It says, now when Job's three friends heard of all that the evil that had come upon him, they came, every one from his own place, Eliphaz the the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. But see, the, at the beginning of verse, verse 11, it's, it's, they, they already made the judgment before they even had seen Job. Based on what they had heard, they had concluded that what had happened to Job was evil. They assumed the worst. The second mistake that they forgot, they, that, they, that they made, was they forgot to listen. Last week we talked about Job chapter 3, how Job poured out his heart and he was, he, was, he, was, he was hurting. He had suffered unthinkable loss physically. He had lost everything. 
For months, he had been in this torturous pain. He had lost all purpose of life. He had nothing to look forward to. For as, as far as Job knew, the rest of his life was going to be spent in pain and misery. And in, in chapter 3, Job just pours out his heart to his three friends after seven days of silence. The pain and suffering that Job had gone through. And in chapter 3, Job asked three questions. Number one, why was I ever born? Number two, uh, having been born, why didn't I die at birth? And then the third, the third question was, why continue my life? Now, we talked about this last week, and, and, and none of those three questions is Job advocating suicide or euthanasia. That's not what he's talking about. But when you are hurting like Job was hurting physically and emotionally, you want your friends to just listen. A minute ago, I said that one of the mistakes that his three friends made was they didn't listen to him. Now, I want to clarify that because I believe that they listened with their ears, but they did not listen with their hearts. And oftentimes, when we are in similar situations and we have people around us who are hurting, oftentimes we listen with our ears, but we don't listen with our hearts. Came across an interesting quote from Warren Wiersbe. He said this, he says, A wise counselor and comforter must listen with their heart and respond to feelings as well as to words. You do not heal a broken heart with logic. You heal a broken heart with love. Yes, you must speak the truth, but be sure to speak the truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. As I, as I was been contemplating and thinking about Job's three friends, I, 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 I started thinking, and, and, and I, you know, I came up with some verses that I believe describe Job's three friends better than any verses in the Bible. And they're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. It says, Thou, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of, all, of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. I don't know three verse or two verses that, that better describe these three friends. These men were, were, were men of stature, of wisdom, who came to Job, but they listened with their ears and not with their hearts. And I believe the words of Warren Wiersbe when he said, you do not heal a broken heart with logic, you heal a broken heart with love. 
And these three men had no love in their words. Tonight, the title of my message is The Power of Words. The power of words. And tonight we're going we're gonna to look at chapter 4 and 5, which is Eliphaz talking to uh, <clears throat> Job. And next week we'll look at Job's response to Eliphaz. But tonight we're just going to uh, <clears throat> look at the words of this man, Eliphaz. Point number one tonight, his method. And, and uh, you know, let, let me give you a, a, a trick in dealing with people. If You know, I learned this back years ago when I used to manage people. If, if you're going to deliver bad news, like you're going to, you know, in a work setting, you're going to kind of get on someone or chastise them or something, you always want to start off kind of nice. Say, you know what? Hey, I really appreciate you coming to work and, yeah, you know, you're doing a good job. But and, and then and then what's the next word? But and that's how that's how Eliphaz starts off. The first four verses uh, is his method. Well, let, let's look at <clears throat> let's look at verses one through four. And then Eliphaz, uh, the uh, Temanite, answered and said, "If we essay to cons- uh, to commune with thee, uh, wilt thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Behold, thou hast instructed many." And thou hast uh, strengthened the hand, uh, the weak, strengthened uh, the weak hands. Thy words have upholden him that was fallen, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. Now, what, what is what is uh, Eliphaz saying here? Basically, he's he's kind of buttering him up, if you would. He's you know he tells him he says, you know what, Job, you have helped a lot of people. Uh, your wisdom, you have. You have poured your wisdom into a lot of people. You have been a blessing to a lot of people. And then this is this is how he starts off. And and <clears throat> uh, never underestimate. You know, if 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 Eliphaz has stopped at verse four, uh, th- this would be the, the 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 length of my sermon tonight. Never underestimate the power of your words. Because what did Eliphaz verify in the life of Job? That he had been a blessing to many people. And, and, and had, had he stopped there, we would have thought, wow, this guy Job uh, was, was a great guy. And he was. But Job impacted, we know because of Eliphaz telling us, he impacted the lives of many people. Now, James, the book of James, James is brutally honest when it comes to the power of the tongue. James in chapter 3, verse 6 and following, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among many members. It is that it uh, uh, defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on hell, excuse me, and set on hell of fire for every kind of beast of the birds and of the serpents of the things of the sea is tamed and, and hath been tamed by, uh, of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. 
Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Our words can destroy or they can heal. The power of the word. And here Eliphaz starts off by saying, hey, you know what, Job, you have been such a blessing to so many people. And I, I don't know about you, but I probably kind of picture Job thinking, wow, okay, you know, boy, somebody noticed. Oh, but the shoe's about to drop. Number two, we see in verses five to eight, his accusations. His accusations. But now it is come upon thee, and thou faintest. It toucheth thee, and thou art troubled. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and thy uprightness of, the, of thy ways? Remember, I pray thee, O <clears throat> whoever uh, perished, being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. The accusations that Job, or, or excuse me, Eliphaz is making here are, are quite profound. Basically, what he's saying is it's your fault. You know, you've helped people in the past. Your wisdom, have the words that you've spoken in the past. But now, but now, Job, what's happening to you is your own fault. I cannot, I cannot tell you how many times people have come to me and they've made this statement. I don't know if you're a pastor. Maybe you've heard this, this statement too. <clears throat> but people have come to me on multiple occasions and say, Pastor, why does God hate me so much? Have you ever heard that? Or, or, or Pastor, uh, God hates me because, and then they tell me what they did. And that is basically what Eliphaz is trying to communicate to Job. This is, this is all because of sin in your life. Eliphaz's doctrine here has come from what I call the scale doctrine. And that the scale doctrine is how I lived my life until I got saved. And how many people in the world live their lives. That you take your good works and your bad works, and you could, and then when you think when when you die, you think God's going to weigh it all out, and if you if your good works outweigh your bad works, then you're okay. Well, we all know that it doesn't work like that, but that is exactly how how Eliphaz and his his other two friends live their lives, because their philosophy is, hey, as long as I do right and I live righteously, then God has to bless me. 
So if Job is going through a difficult time, it has to be because of sin in his life. The power of words. His accusations make God small. But let's look at his opinions. His opinions. Eliphaz basically uh, <clears throat> gives two opinions uh, based on two things. The first one is based on his experiences. In chapter uh, 4, in verses uh, 12 to 21, we're not going to read the whole thing just because of time's sake, but <clears throat> he has a weird dream. Okay, in, in verse 12 it says, now, uh, now a thing was secretly brought to me and my uh, uh, ear received little there, thereof. In thoughts from the vision of the night when a deep sleep fell upon men, fear came un, upon me and trembling, which made, me, <clears throat> made all my bones shake. Then the spirit passed before my face and the hair on my face uh, stood up. Okay, we're going we're gonna to stop there. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a very good dream. Okay? <clears throat> See, he based, he, based his, he based his opinion on two things. Number one, he based it on experience. The experience was this dream. Now, one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, because this is in the Old Testament, did God ever come to his servants via dreams and speak to them? Absolutely he did. So how do we know whether this dream is, quote-unquote, from God or not? Well, we know or we can assume that it was not from God based on two things. Number one, nowhere in, in his dream is the phrase stated, the word of the Lord came to me, or thus saith the Lord. In every occurrence in Scripture, when God was speaking to somebody in a dream, those two phrases are used. Neither one of those are, are, are here. The other part that we can assume is the fact that God never sneaks up on anybody and scares them to death. I mean, he scared him so bad, the hair on his face stood up. So, he's making an opinion based on an experience. Now, let me ask you a question. What is the danger of basing decisions off of experiences? Exactly. Our feelings and emotions are attached to our experiences. And we all know that that's usually never a good thing. The other thing that he does is he not only bases it off his experience, but off of his observation. Look at chapter 5 in verse 3. It says, I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly uh, I cursed uh, his habitation. So the word seen here, he He's basing his, his observation or his opinion on what he has experienced or he's seen in his life. 
let's read verse 4. His children are far from safe, safety, and they are crushed in the, in the gate. Neither is there any to deliver them. Now, let, let me ask you a question. Eliphaz, in a nutshell, is telling Job that the reason his kids were killed was because of his sin. That's a, probably about the most absurd thing I've ever heard. What is the potential problem that we have when we base our opinions off of observations? Huh? Okay, well, we can be wrong, but but what what <clears throat> you, you only see one side of it. You know, occasionally, occasionally, you know, in life, when we go through life, we base it, we pretty much base our opinions on our observations one-sided. But occasionally, we get to see the whole thing. And more often than not, does it not change our opinion? See, and what... The, the mistake, one of the mistakes that Eliphaz was doing here is he was, he was making his observation one-sided and then communicating to Job the fact as it being the final gospel, if you would. And that's a dangerous place to go. Probably the most important thing missing when we make observations about people is that we cannot see the heart. We don't, we don't know what's going on in the heart. And this man Eliphaz is basing his opinion on his observations of life, having no idea what's going on in the heart of Job. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2. <clears throat> Every way of a, of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth or, or measures the heart. Jeremiah 17, 10. I know the Lord uh, <clears throat> searcheth the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. My warning to each and every one of us is be careful of your opinion. Because if you start basing your opinion off your experiences and your, your observations, chances are pretty good you're going to be wrong. Number four, we see Eliphaz's appeal to Job. We see it in, in a few different verses. Let's look at chapter 5, verse 8. I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my, my cause. So what does he start off doing? He, he starts off by saying, Job, if I were you, I would seek God. So look at verse 17. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore, despise not the chastening of the Almighty, for he maketh uh, sore and bindeth up, uh, he woundeth 
uh, and his hand uh, maketh, make, uh, make whole. And then look at verse 27. Lo, this we have searched, searched it, so it is, hear it, and know, <clears throat> and know thou uh, it, it, it for thy good. So, what, in a nutshell, let, let me try and bring it, bring it around. What, what, what Eliphaz is trying to tell Job is that, Job, what you need to do is you need to confess your sin to God and then God will give you everything back. Now, I want to be real careful here because I, I, I don't want to be misleading. Does God ever use punishment to get our attention? Absolutely, he does. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the father, the son, in whom he, had, in whom he delighted. So the thing I want to be careful of here is, hey, there are times that God does use correction to get us where he wants us to be. But that's not the case in the life of Job. There are times also in our lives that God will bring us through things to what? To teach us and to grow us. And so we cannot assume, like Eliphaz and his two friends, that every time you go through something difficult, it's because you did something wrong. Now again, I want to clarify, there are times God has done it. He's done it in my life. But we cannot draw our conclusions, our opinions, based on that single thought. So Job's, or excuse me, Eliphaz's appeal is, hey, Job, you need to get right with God. You need to confess your sin. You need to get right with God. And then God will, 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 will give you everything back. You can live your life. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. Now, what would have happened had Job done that? Job, Job sitting there listening to Eliphaz, you know, he says, he says, you know what? I just want this to be over. Maybe there is some sin in my life that God has not revealed to me that I did that I don't know about. Maybe there's some, I'm just going to confess it and, and, and maybe God will, what, what would that have looked like to God? Would that not have been an affront to an almighty God? Absolutely it would have been. In fact, <clears throat> Eliphaz's plea with Job is very similar to Job's wife's plea to him. Just curse God and die. Why? Just give up, Job. Admit it and move on. But because Job was an upright man, he could not compromise. He could not compromise. Now, I want to go back to what was missing in, in Job's friends' lives, and that's love. I want to close with this, with this thought of love. The power of words. James chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, 
and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursings. My, my brethren, these things ought not to be so, or ought not so to be. When we are trying to help people, we need to listen with our hearts. What was it I read a few minutes ago, Warren Wiersbe said, you don't heal a broken heart with logic, you heal it with love. I, I hate to tell you this, but we live in a world that there's people all around us that are broken. That's why these folks are here. There are people all around us that are broken that need us to listen with our hearts and respond with our hearts. The tongue is an amazing tool that God has given each and every one of us. And we're going to see as we continue through this book of Job that Job's friends use the power of the tongue to try and destroy a man who had done nothing wrong. We too often do the same thing. The power of the tongue that God has given you has the power to build people up or to tear them down. The same tongue that you praise God with is this very same tongue that you can carve somebody into little pieces with. The power of the word. We saw Eliphaz here, the method, his accusations, his opinions. We need to be, I, I want to I wanna kind of talk about his opinions again. We've got to be so careful. You know, my opinion and a dollar seven will get you a cup of coffee at McDonald's. I know that because I buy coffee at McDonald's. We need to be so careful with our words and his appeal. Basically, he was trying to get Job to just kind of give up and, and to just, you know, just confess it and move on. And, let, let, and then that way I can go home and we can all go home and we'll all be happy and live happily ever after. Next week, when we get into Job's response, I think you're going to find that Job is a... Well, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. The power of the word. We have the power to build and we have the power to destroy. Let's pray. Dear Lord.